I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of Private Parts. Still here with Kenton Cool. Do we have a part three as well? Uh, well, listen, we just said just then. Eight parts. We just said that we have so many questions for you that possibly we're just going to keep going on. So um, we're just going to keep going until... Until we drop drop down. Until we drop dead. That's what's gonna happen. Podcast who drop. Kenton, yeah. it's, it's all about mindset with podcasts. You're yeah. gonna wanna stop. At some point you're gonna wanna stop. But you gotta just keep We're going. only reaching thirty percent of our capacity. Yeah, 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 yeah. David Gordon. At some style. point we'll start shouting you yeah. to keep going. Keep going. Keep talking. So we do it in a in a proper gogging style. Yeah. Kenan, uh, you won't remember this, but uh, you might remember this. I'm feeling under pressure on this okay. question. Okay, but it's not a bad thing, it's a bad thing of me. So my mum said to me, Penny, who you know, said to me, I have just met a very good looking man. Oh, uh, that's what I remember. Did you remember the, yeah, he said, I met a very good looking man and his name's Kenton Cool, and he's an explorer and he lives in the, the, the village that we live in. And um, we're now friends. And he lives on the corner. And I went, okay, mum, all right, that's good. He said, I'm going to invite him around at some point. I went, all right, fine. I went off to a wedding and I went to this wedding. <laughs> I got smashed and very drunk. And on the way back in the cab, I said, oh, excuse me, you're going to drive me back to this village. And the taxi driver said, Kenton Cool lives there. Oh, really? And I said, I know Kenton. <laughs> and the taxi driver said, yeah, do you really? I went, yeah, I know him. And he went, oh, I've got his number. And I went, well, let me voice note him. <laughs> so I took the taxi driver's phone and voice noted you in the back of the taxi saying hi Kenton I hope you're well Jamie <laughs> voice noting you from the back and we had never met never before met. and we had never met I don't know if you ever Do received you it that? or the taxi driver deleted it when I got out I don't know what happened <laughs> well I don't remember receiving it uh, but, but but the rest of the story makes sense I, I, I was literally running around uh, the yeah. fields and, and bumped into you into your mother. Yeah, and this um, is this is what she said to me. She said to me that I met this guy and he's a bit I, of a legend. I, I, I like the good looking bit. You can you can. I just chucked yeah, that. Yeah. I lied. I just chucked that in there to make <sighs> you feel Damn good. You. <laughs> I literally <laughs> it's made so that up. Early in a relationship, and you're lying to me. I already. made it up off the top <laughs> that, of my that head. Normally take, that normally takes it. You had me. You, you had me there. Um, um hey, I, look, well, I, was, I hope you had a hangover after that. I had a big hangover, and I and I felt a little bit embarrassed. And then I your mum's house beautiful. Yeah, it's a great house. Yeah, it's a great house. Yeah, the, the, the children. What did the children call it? They called it the uh, not the special barn. Is that what they say? Uh, something like that. Posh barn. They're posh barn. That's the, what they call oh, it. The, the posh barn. Anyone I think who lives the near Bybury, it's in Bybury. It's pretty posh, I think. Um, <laughs> but can I want to ask you a big question? Which um, uh, you can answer how you want to answer. Um, you know, you 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 do all these things. You climb all these different mountains, and you 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 know you've done Everest sixteen times, and you've done. The north face of um, what is it? The hard one. The, the hard uh, north one. face of the Eiger. The north face. That, that's that one of the finds. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. You've done all these ones. Um, it's a numbers game, right? Have you ever, have you ever nearly died? And have you had someone who has died before? 
Yes, uh, the, the answer is yes. I've had somebody die in my arms. Uh, oh. High on, well, not Everest. It was a nearby mountain called Lhotse. Uh It wasn't a client. It was somebody that I came across, a Taiwanese climber called Mr. Lee. And, and he'd been left by his uh, logistical team. It just summited uh, Lhotse, fourth highest mountain in the world. It was coming down, my understanding was. And I, I came onto the scene about two or three days later. So he'd been in a tent for two or three days, suffering from high altitude, cerebral and pulmonary edema. So the swelling on the brains and uh, fluid on the lungs. And I looked after him overnight. Uh, we injected him with dexamethasone, which is a steroid-based drug. And he was unconscious when I came across. He's still alive, but unconscious. And then overnight, he, you know, after we injected him, he made a, a became semi-coherent. But then, yeah, I mean, he, he passed away, you know, literally in my arms. I ended up trying to CPR on him in the morning and things like that. So, oh so um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, death is, is something which we encounter, not regularly, but it's all around us, you know, as, as climbers, especially if you're operating in the super high mountains. There's no rescue there. Yeah, and you can't get a helicopter into eight thousand meters on Everest, for instance, because um, the altitude just won't allow it. The altitude won't allow it. Now, this is my question because I remember from the documentary where they said, "You can correct me if I'm wrong," but on the final day, they say to you, "If anything happens, we can't yeah, do anything own. about that. Yeah. And, we and, and, we and, are going to have." And to. that's a really interesting learning experience because yeah. with everything we do, you know, I speak a lot to organisations, yeah, uh, you know, keynote speaking or motivation or you know, performance coaching or whatever it may be, and it's. It's a really hard thing to put across that we need to be uh, responsible for our actions. I, I think it's just a moral trait that most of us yeah. should have. And on Everest, we are responsible for what we do. Nobody's going to come in and bail us out. Nobody's going to come in, you know, international rescue and whip you off on a long line on a helicopter, which you can in the European Alps or you can in Scotland. There's no, going to be no rescue team coming for you. So, so. So the consequences of your actions and your decisions are very much on your shoulders. And that's something which I believe we lack somewhat uh, in, in everyday life because there's always somebody that we can offset blame to or we can you know, chunk a decision that sort of sideways or we can default on something knowing that there's going to be a, a modicum of safety or a safety net to look after us. On Everest, that does not exist. On Everest, your or my actions or my decisions, because I am the key decision maker there, my decisions are far reaching. If I get it wrong, somebody's gonna goddamn die. Yeah. So everything that you do needs to be pinpoint accurate. Yeah. You need to know the client really well. You need to know the, the weather forecast. You need to know your team super well. You need to know the route super well. And you need to be confident in your actions. Because yeah. otherwise it's going to go shit shape, and it's going to go shit shape pretty damn quickly. Yeah. Fuck. Um, does it go? Does it turn? Does it go pear shape pretty quick? Yeah. It, everything just compounds. It's like, yeah. it's like in, you know, when, when when you make a mistake, you're like, oh, okay, damn, I made a mistake. You know, genuinely mistakes come in two or threes or fours, and they might not be big ones, but Everest will not tolerate even the smallest of yeah. errors. There's, there's, there's very little safety net out there. I mean, we try to install something, obviously. Uh, but yeah. so the guy, the, the guy in this documentary was saying that a lot of the times the reason what goes wrong is that people get to the summit and they spend too long on the summit and then when they come well, back well there is a little bit of that, is that, I, mean, is that I, a I, thing? I think the biggest thing accidents generally happen on the way down yeah and it happens for a number of reasons you know people are, are physically tired uh, but certainly on Everest there, there's a there's a mental thing people often not all the time they, they mentally check out yeah Once they get to the it. top they're like oh i've got there it's like years worth of training or 
you know, monetary investment or time, or maybe it's a lifelong dream and ambition. Imagine you just fulfilled a lifelong dream and ambition. You're yeah. like, oh, thank goodness, uh, we're there. You know, but you still got to get down. Yeah. And getting down is harder sometimes, isn't it's it? It's way harder. Because, I mean, even imagine you're walking up a hill. Yeah. Okay? If you trip over, what happens? You fall into the hill. Forward, yeah. Yeah. Now you're walking down a hill and you trip over, you fall out from the hill. Oh my God. And you slide, right? You no, just... you're going to slide. You're going to like sort of cascade down or, or, or barrel roll down. You just, just look at the cheese rolling in Gloucestershire, that sort of quaint thing. I mean, watch everybody fall down that, that hill. Is that what it's literally like? You yeah, just slide, so. you just go. Yeah, if you fall out, okay, you clip to a fixed line. Yeah. Okay, so the, the, the Sherpa team will put a, a fixed line in place and you clip to it. Yeah. But the stanchions, the anchor points between the fixed line might be 100, 150 meters apart. So at the very least, you're going to go like 100 meters. Yeah. Before, before you're going to stop. And then it's going to be a pretty hard stop because yeah. your, your little lanyard with your carabiner on is going to come up hard against an ice <sighs> screw or, or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Do a lot of people die by just falling, just going? I, I think the, the main reason for fatalities on, on Everest is, is I think people check out. Uh, wow. they, 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 they sit down and they just think, okay, well, I just spend like 20 minutes sat here. And, and they fall I'm, asleep. Yeah. And, and just... they potentially fall asleep. Or they bought into a cheap logistical outfit and they're not looking after them. Or maybe they run out of oxygen. Yeah. If you run out of oxygen, you're not going to die immediately. Yeah. But it's going to slow everything down. And then when it gets dark, everything gets compounded by a factor of 100. And then the temperature drops. It's, yeah, it's called a death zone for a reason. Yeah. And is it right that, that you, you, when you're climbing it and coming back, you see a lot of bodies? You do see bodies. You don't see a lot of bodies, but, 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 but you see bodies. And they're just in, there and, and they're there. like, I mean, there's, so there's, there's one just underneath the Hillary Step, for instance. Yeah. And, and you almost have to climb over. Yeah. It's an American climber from 2019, and you almost got to climb over it. What? And, and it's, that is crazy. Yeah, uh, until this year, he was still fixed. This guy's called Don, uh, or was called Don. He's still fixed to the. To the fixed line so he's, he's attached to the, the ropes so the yeah. you know, body can't be blown off he can't disappear uh, somewhere and it's in a in a place that there's not gonna be any snow accumulation so it's not gonna be buried by snow and, and it, it was my mistake because i was focused on other things this year i didn't forewarn my client this year that the body was there and it really freaked her out yeah i would and, yeah. and understandably so because yeah, it's quite sure. graphic and because it's so cold are they preserved to, to an extent yeah yeah wow yeah yeah, so so you know, instead of decomposing the the body, I forget what the word is. There, it kind of all tightens up, and you can still see skin features and and things like that. I mean, I, I try to avoid, yeah, being too invested into it. Yeah, yeah of course, it's quite ghoulish and quite voyeurism. Yeah, Ob yeah. obviously, um, I totally get it. But also, as I said before, like this numbers game, right? And you know, I I I, I couldn't even possibly imagine how professional you are up there. I I I would be impeccable. But when it comes to that numbers game. The weather turns, something happens, avalanche, whatever it is, all the factors that you add in. Do you sometimes weigh up the risk that you have as well? That perhaps, you know, have you ever had a moment where you went, shit, this is pretty scary right now? And I realize I'm in a pretty hairy place. Yeah, it happens all the time within climbing. Uh, yeah, you've got to weigh up the risk. And you know, this is no disrespect to the risk on, the, on any mountain. But arguably the most dangerous thing is, is jumping in a taxi and getting to Heathrow Airport. No ways, more because, than that. Because danger is all around us. You know, and, and I think what happens here at home, we get complacent to it. So, so we're not alert to it. On, on Everest, we're, we're going to be alert to the dangers all the time. Yeah. You know, we know that that mountain can kill us in, you know, in, in a blink of an eye. 
So because of that, we have safety parameters as best we can in place. We're alert to it. We're focused. We, you know, we know what the consequences are. Now, I could finish this podcast and you know, walk out with Dan and we're high-fiving saying that was really good fun and you know, off to meet a client now for, for a drink. And I, I'm not concentrated. I'm not focused. And I walk out in, into the road boom. and boom. Yeah. Now, you, you said that you, know, you were in Spain at the weekend. And it's just simple things like you know, the traffic comes from an opposite direction in Spain. Yeah, you, 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 you switch off just for the moment and you make a mistake. Yeah. Whereas on Everest, if you make a mistake, it's probably going to hurt you in some, some manner. But, but you are, you know, you're in a heightened state of consciousness to, the, to those dangers. But there are dangers that you can't mitigate against. I was on K2 last year. I, 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 That's hard, right? That's notoriously It's dangerous. Hard. Yeah, it's hard and it's dangerous. What's we were really K, lucky. What's K2? K2, second highest mountain in the world. So K, yeah, K, just, K, just stay out of this conversation. Sorry, you know, you know more. So, so K stands <laughs> Jamie's been up K2. <laughs> K, K stands for cow corn. So it was a designation when it was first. Okay. And well, we had a, a really nice, uh, you know, great climb of the mountain. Summit day was unbelievable. You know, I say to people, we went there expecting to have to slay dragons. And instead we found sheep. It, really? It, it, it was, you know, K2 had kind of rolled over and it was having a tummy tickle yeah. until the last day. And we were coming down from the summit and we had stopped at Camp 3 and the next day we're coming down what's called the Black Pyramid and it's all this loose rock and rocks beginning to fall down uh, and the rivulets of water. And we come, we're coming down to advanced base camp on the last little bit, literally, you know, we get down to advanced base camp and we're safe. And the whole slope avalanche, like, thousands of tons of snow and if we were five minutes faster or five minutes slower myself and the client we'd be dead what it's simple as that just luck it's just pure luck because there's some things in the mountains objective danger that you cannot mitigate against yeah now you could say and if there's mountain guys listen to this they probably say well kenton should have stayed at camp one or camp two and wait for it to freeze overnight and so there are ways that you can navigate that but at the same time you're weighing up all these decisions which are constantly bombarding you and you're trying to work out in the moment yeah. what the best decision is. And in my mind, it was, because Camp 1 had been obliterated by Rockfall. I mean, our tent that we had slept in two nights previously was, looked like someone had just been out there with a shotgun and just like sprayed it. It's like rocks are coming through the fabric. Where, where my head had been, there's a big rock there. And oh it's like, well, we're not going to stay here. Yeah, we, we, we're going to head down. And if we use the islands of safety, we're going to get down. And then boff, the, the whole slope avalanches. That is insane. Uh, and, and, it's, it's, it's dangerous. It, and you know, I'm, I'm not disrespecting the, the mountain and the danger that it holds. And, and I'm you know, a father to, to two relatively young children and you know, a husband and uh, friend all these to me. things. A fr friend to you. And, yeah. Friend to Penny. Uh, <laughs> to a very good friend to Penny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When you're, the, when you're up the mountain, <laughs> a, a, a handsome friend to Penny, no less. A when you're up the mountain friend. and something goes wrong, do you think of Penny? Is that the first <laughs> thing she, you think? She's on speed dial. Yeah, yeah. 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 You think, what would Penny, if I went, what, what would, would Penny, Penny do? Yeah. But, but mainly because I'm thinking about you know, the, the, the inn to Jamie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, that's what it's all about. You could uh, take yeah. candy kittens up as sugar. Well, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for sponsorship. Yeah, yeah. I'm done. Yeah. done. Do you take, yeah. David, do you take like um, sweets up with you for sugar? And Yeah, I mean, everybody's different. Everybody has their own little tipple on uh, on Everest, whatever it may be. Yours uh, is candy kittens. No, mine's now candy kittens. Yeah. Can it, where yeah. do you? I got so many more questions. Where do you? If you're if you're up the mountain, did I, did I say I, I love candy kittens? Yeah, yeah, say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love candy kittens. When you're up the mountain, I love. Um, I love. When you're up the mountain, where do you and you're going through? If you need to take a shit, I knew you were going to. Sorry, ask I need that. to I ask. Poo -poo. Yeah, if you need to take a shit, what happens? 
What do you do? Uh, well, it's you're ma- freezing. It, it depends where you are. You're, you're up at the top yeah, or yeah. near the top. Well, I mean, a lot of people taking modium. They bung themselves up on summit push. Really? Yeah, yeah to, to avoid exactly that. that is. So a friend of mine once said the hardest thing in mountaineering is trying to get three inches of dick out of 18 inches of clothing. Because <laughs> you have these huge down suits on. And <laughs> Such a good set. And it's like minus 40 and everything oh gets God. a bit, bit frozen. Yeah. And then you've got a harness on and you, you're, trying to, you're trying to operate your, your zipper. And then you're scrummaging around inside. And that's if you're a guy. You imagine the issues if you're a girl. Surely oh if you surely God. you can't get bear willy out of the top of a mountain. Well, it's too grills. cold. Bear, bear grills willy. Where, where, where do bear grills come yeah, into it? Yeah, can you not get bear's willy out? <laughs> surely you can't get that out at the top of a mountain. Well, bear's willy. Well, you can. Is it too cold, surely? Well, when the sun comes up, it's surprisingly warm on Everest. But, you know, if you need a pee-pee, you need a pee-pee. And you yeah. can't pee in the suit, can you? You can't, like... Oh, God, no. no. I mean, just... a friend of mine wears a nappy. I was going like, to say, like a male that's sort of incontinence nappy thing. But <laughs> I can't think of anything worse. I can't, how did we get onto this? Con- normally, this happens at schools. Okay, when <laughs> <laughs> you're in preschool, the school kid will ask, "Well, how do you go to the loo up there, Cancer?" Our two, our two questions have been: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you ever died? Have you nearly died? And how do you go for a poo? <laughs> okay, well, is this go. the most high intellect <laughs> podcast well, you've been on? But I, I got. I mean, if you want to stick on the poo question, I, I got a great. When I broke my legs, no, we won't go there. No, I do want to go there. No, it's true because no, I want to get into this. Just, just quickly before we get into the, uh, we'll explain that because, well, firstly on K two, firstly this is the last thing I want to say about K two before we get onto your legs. You broke them and you were told you could never walk again. But get get ready for this or your heels you broke. But um, when uh, on K two, there's a the incredible story which you all know very well, touching the void, um, about the two oh, yeah, Joe, Joe Simpson and um, yeah, uh, Simon Yates. Yes, yeah, they're actually on a mountain called Sula Grande down in Peru. But yeah, go on. Okay, fine. Yeah. I thought it was always K two. My yeah. mistake. But they were climbing up. And the story goes, as they were attached, they got stuck somewhere, so they yep. fell asleep. And in the middle of the night, they attached themselves to each other. And in the middle of the night, he woke up, one of them woke up, and his friend had fallen off a ravine. Yeah, so, so essentially what was happening, uh, Joe, Joe I, I know them both, uh, Joe and uh, Simon were climbing. They did a hard new route, coming down in a bit of a storm, and Joe went over an ice cliff and badly broke his leg. And then what happened was uh, they... they um, yeah, this is a great example about the whole David Goggins 30% thing. Yeah. Uh, because you now one's got a completely shattered leg. They're in a storm high on the mountain and they start working together and Simon starts lowering Joe systematically down a steep snow slope um, because Joe can't walk. And at some stage in the storm, in the whiteout, in extremis, Simon lowers Joe over a big ice cliff. Uh, they can't do anything about it. He's just hanging there in, in free space. It's a fantastic sort of documentary film. Yeah. If you've not seen this one, Touching the Void. Touching the Void. Yeah. It's harrowing. And it's unbelievable. True. It's unbelievable. And it's true. Uh, so, okay. anyway, cut long story short, what Simon does in the end, he whips out his penknife and he cuts the rope. Yeah, because he's being dragged off. He's, he's being, being dragged, dragged he's off. Been, he's been hit by avalanches. He's being dragged off and he cuts the rope and Joe smashes into a crevasse. And, you know, I won't ruin the story for you. No, but, but do, but, but do. And then. Uh, and then Joe goes, um, Simon comes down, no sign of Joe, shouts in a crevasse, no sign of Joe. And at some stage, Simon just thinks, I need to save myself. So yeah. he heads back to base camp. Three or four days later, as they're packing base camp up to leave, Joe crawls in to base camp yeah. um, wow. with a shattered leg. And he's, he's, he's essentially crawled for three days across, without food, without water, without wow. shelter, across this hideous uh, glacier moraine to come into base camp and then, uh, yeah, they, they, they get him out. It's insane. Wow. But it's, it's a story of like, men, like going back to Gong's that men, mentality. He said to himself, if I can get 
20 meters there. If I can get to that spot, that would be good. He'd get there, then he'd do the same thing. But my question is, is that in that situation, would you have done the same thing? Again, I mean, it's in the moment. In the moment, and, and, Yeah, right? and they were both quite young. I think Simon was 24. Uh, and the climbing community has pontificated over this for years. You know, it was Simon the villain. Um, yeah, he was known as Slasher Yates for a while. Yeah, yeah he had a really things. tough time. Yeah, yeah it, and you know, when they refilmed the documentary, I remember having a beer with him and he was mentally scarred by revisiting what had happened. If you speak to Joe about it, uh, I interviewed Joe uh, you know, on my own podcast a couple of years ago, and it, he would openly say, by cutting the rope, Simon saved my life. Because without doing so, they probably would have both died. Yeah. Wow. Is there techniques that they could have employed to get round the knot being jammed? Yes, they could. But in the moment, yeah. and that's, you know, with clarity of thought sitting here in, in your beautiful studio, looking back retrospectively, could they have done something else? Yes, they could have done. Yeah. But put yourself into that crisis yeah. and what would you have done? I mean, who knows? Fight uh, or flight. It's, it's that yeah. insane moment. And it's a fan. If you're not seeing it, touch in the void. You know, watch it tonight. It's okay, unbelievable. Yeah, I will. That it's it's insane. It's, it's harrowing. But Kenny, you did. You had this moment where you you jumped off something. You you I would, fell off something. You fell off I something. Fell off. But you were told you were never going to walk again. What happened? Okay, so I was in North Wales. What did you uh, fall off? A mountain. I, 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 well, I fell off a rock face in North Wales. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, trying to climb. Not called, funny, Tom. Called Sorry. <laughs> well, it is funny in a well, way. It's not because, funny. Yeah, it's a bit like that. What, what, what's that line from Top Gun? Yeah, you're cashing checks at you know your yeah. egos, whatever. And it's a bit like that. And it's good that the one time you were injured was in Wales. It wasn't even in Nepal. I know, or... I know. You couldn't make it up, could you? And it's in North Wales and ended up in Bangor Hospital of all places. Yeah. I've been to a nightclub there. Well, in Bangor? Yeah. Uh, how was it for you? Fantastic. You were probably, was it one of the ones you were paid to go to? Yep, I was. Yeah, I did yeah. a PA in Bangor. Yeah. It was great. Ah. Wait, I don't want to yeah, really... Big, big student thingy there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so wait, wait, wait. I fell off, yeah. And, and it's a great learning experience because I didn't really want to be there. Okay, so this, this is my competitive streak being destructive. Yeah. So we're in there to pick up sponsorship kit uh, to go on a big expedition to Pakistan, which we were leaving uh, the following week. And uh, a friend of mine, he jumped on quite a hard climb called Ride the Wild Surf, uh, Colossus Wall in North Wales, in, in the slate quarries. And it's, you know, the weather wasn't great. It's a little bit of drizzle around. and It wasn't a great day to go climbing. And all I wanted to do was go to the cafe and, and you know, drink tea or coffee or whatever. But my friends were going climbing and I wanted to be number one. I wanted to be the best. So if they're climbing, I'm going to climb. And they jump on a quite hard climb. So I said to my girlfriend at the time, let's do this one. It's even harder. And I got about 15, 20 feet up and I broke a hold. So a piece of rock broke and I didn't have any protection in it <sighs> and it, it hit the floor. Mm. How and far did you fall? About 15 feet, not far, <clears throat> but onto a hard surface. And I wasn't expecting it. So there's no like recall Sounds in your legs. Sounds quite far. It was far enough. Yeah, it was far enough. Uh, and really I shattered far. both my heel bones and yeah, completely buggered them. So my yeah. right one was in 14 pieces. Oof. And I was told that by the first consultant, that's it. You know, you're, you're, you're shacked. You're not going to walk without a stick. You're probably going to have modified shoes. You're not going to run again. Uh, you're definitely not going to climb. And it crushed me. Yeah. Utterly crushed me. And what does that do to someone who is so all about being able to Yeah, it's crushing. Walk? Uh, my, you know, my purpose had been removed. You know, and loads of people talk about purpose. You know, what's your purpose in life? And I was part of this amazing community, this anarchistic community that is the climbing community. Uh, it was my social life. It was my active life. You know, I was 22 years old. And somebody comes in and removes all mm. of that. And I mm. talk a lot about the importance of ambition, the importance of purpose and dreams and drive. 
And somebody removed that from me. Whether he was right or wrong telling me that, he removed that, that sense of purpose. And I think deep down, retrospectively, it lit something. I didn't want to prove anybody wrong, but that fear of failure, that fear of not having a community anymore, uh, anymore the community that I loved, I, I, I couldn't risk losing that. Mm. And that was the drive to get back on my feet. And through hard work and, you know, hats off to uh, the NHS. All, all the rehab was on the NHS. And, uh, you know, if you, if you listen to this, my, my physio that now lives in Barbados, we're still in contact. Um, she was fantastic, you know. And, and the numbers of times I literally fell over on the parallel bars. I was in a wheelchair for months. I had three operations. Wow. Yeah, it was hard. Did wow. you, did you, how was I, you? But, but the thing is, I wouldn't change a thing. Because it was such a learning experience. For somebody so young, it was such a learning experience. Because I yeah. thought I was bulletproof. What was your mental state at that point? Fragile. Yeah. Very fragile. Depressed? I think in and out. Yeah. yeah. Well, without a shadow of a doubt. Because everything you stand for is being removed. Mm. Whether it has or it hasn't, you, you believe it. Because somebody that is in a position of authority comes in and says, you can't. Mm. And this is why I said earlier, you know, the, the power of vocabulary and the way that things are presented... Instead of you can't, you shouldn't, you, you know, you can, you should. But it's, it's interesting. It's a unique mentality because someone that young, 22 years old, that happens to you and you're told those kind of things, you, you believe it. You didn't believe it. And actually, then when you slip into those... But I, I think of, it's the case, I couldn't believe it because it removed everything I stood for. Yeah, because also when you slip into those moments of depression, which can happen very easily in that situation, your lack of motivation goes, but you just had to fight on. You fought on. And it's such a, it's such a message to other people out there that, you know, similar things happen in life, you know, yes, okay, you know, losing your purpose, so someone could say, well, my, losing my parent or whatever is way worse, and that's throwing me into, but that fighting attitude you have to keep hold of, I think, whatever I think, you are. I think you summed it up really well, because all I wanted to do was, was stand up, to start with, stand up. Everything was focused on standing up. When do these casts come up, and I can I become, become weight-bearing? And I remember even before the doctors took the cast off, I was like pushing myself up on, out my wheelchair, holding onto a table and just letting go momentarily. And that was a massive win. That was like, that was everything. It's like, oh my God, I've stood up three seconds, two seconds. Mm. That was a win. There were those small wins. And then when the cast came off and I was on the parallel bars, I, I would just let go and just fall into my arms of the, uh, of the physio. Because I, I, I just could not walk. How long were you like that for? I was in a wheelchair for four, four months. Oh, my God. And imagine, so I moved back into my parents, which was just outside London. And I remember being mobile for the first time. I got rid of the wheelchair and I'm like, okay, I'm going out in London. I'm, I'm going I'm to have some beers with some mates and I'm on crutches and I'm all over this. So imagine, but I couldn't walk on crutches. What I used to have to do, the crutches would go in front of me and then I'd shuffle towards the, the, uh, the, oh the crutches. So I couldn't, oh I didn't have one good leg to swing through. And my, my mother dropped me off at West Ryslip tube station. I'm coming into Notting Hill. Yeah. I'm going to go out on the beers with yeah. some friends in Notting Hill. And I get off the tube and I'm faced with an escalator. <laughs> and I'm looking at this thing thinking, shit. Yeah. What do I do? And I'm looking at and about three trains worth of people come past. And I'm just stood there looking at the escalator because I know that if I put my crutch on the escalator, it's going to move and I'm going to fall over. Yeah. And I'm trying to find a solution. And I don't have one. So in the end, I put a crutch on it. It moves. I fall over. I'm lying on the escalator. <laughs> and then it hits me. What happens at the top? <laughs> Is it going to eat me? So I get to the top and I crawl off. That's and I'm lying on the floor and I can't stand up. 
because I need I, I need a, a, a need something to hold I, on I need to. something to hold on to. Yeah. And people are walking around me. They're like looking at me yeah. as if I'm some like he's hobo. Drunk, this drunk idiot. Yeah, he's this drunk idiot. And I'm lying there, and finally somebody stops and helps me up. And and, it, and 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 learning things like that about society. I mean, it's a funny story. I mean, it's a true story. It's a funny story. But people were walking around me, and I'm yeah. lying there. I'm looking at people saying, uh, "Can you help me up?" Mm. And then some. And then eventually somebody did stop. You know, I got on a tube one day, two crutches, and there's a, a, a free you know, rush hour, and there's a free chair in the middle of the the, the carriage. And I look at the chair, and I look up, and a, there's a there's a guy in a suit. He looks at me. He looks at the chair. Looks at me. Looks at the chair. And he races me to the chair. And of course, he he, he wins. And he's got an unfair <laughs> advantage. Uh, and it, it, and, yeah. it, and, and the paper goes up and he hides behind the paper because he's clearly embarrassed. Yeah. yeah. And, and then a girl sat next to him makes a big show of, have my seat. Wow. Take my seat. And she gets up and I'm like, no, 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 no. You, know, you sit down. And she's like, no, I insist. You know, kind of looking over the paper at the guy. Yeah. And, and that's the differences between good people yeah. and people that, that really don't care. Yeah. You know, the, the, Just out for themselves. Yeah. You know, go back to that first, you know, first part of the podcast, you know, Maybe he, he's all about greed. He's all about himself. He's all about the individual. You know, he's not about the community. He's mm. not about uh, you know, the culture of, you know, of the collective. Yeah. You know, but, but we go back far enough, we're tribal. You know, and the tribe's all about the collective. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. They always say some of the worst things that happen to us are, are you know, are, are sort of our big rewards, right? We we learn yeah. the best from them. Where, when did you, being such a kind of... I didn't tell my poo, poo, poo story from hospital. Oh, yeah, what's the well, poo story? <laughs> you're going to save it to the end. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you're such a competitive person, when you are this sort of ferocious sort of guy just going straight for it, how did you learn vulnerability or to be vulnerable? Uh, I'm still learning. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because I can, I can definitely, I can, I can definitely sense that probably with you would be a hard thing to, to let out because because you have to, you you have to be so sure in what you do. Every decision you make is about being sure of it. So vulnerability doesn't really come into play there because you can't be vulnerable. So for you to show vulnerability would be very hard to do that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a pretty emotional guy. I mean, I you know, I do show emotion but what i'm really bad at is is not necessarily addressing what it is i'm not good at addressing the source of the emotion be it positive or negative um i mean i remember once i mean and my, my wife you know who you know she, she's also a performance coach and you know borderline therapist in many ways um who takes a lot on from me yeah we, we were in dubai once and i just come back from everest and i lost a friend on annapurna in yaki and I'm trying to process it. And she was like, well, and this, when, when was it? 2007, I think, Inyaki died. So a long time, no, 2008, uh, I think it was, because we were buying engagement. Then. And, and Jazz was saying, you cannot keep simply putting 
the darkness in, in the in the cupboard. Because I would just bottle it up, mm. put it in the cupboard, slam the door shut, and hope to Christ that the door never opens. Yeah. And she was just saying, at some stage, that door is going to crash open and there's going to be a tsunami. Yeah. Now, not just a trickle, a tsunami of negative darkness from your past. And is that at that point, I, I started to try to address the, the, all the bad stuff that happened, you know, the loss of friends or you know, being on Annapurna 3 and, and thinking that John's going to die and, and not dealing with that and the impact that had on re the relationship between John, myself and Ian, the three of us were climbing that mountain. Wow. Uh, and all these things. And my inability to address those things. Emotion. E e emotionally. Emotion. Because... I'm not great at showing vulnerability. I'm not great at sitting down and saying, I'm struggling with, can you help? Mm. And I'm only just coming to terms with that. And that, that's been a, a short form journey of the last three or four years. Now, you, I'm, for, I'm 48. You know, and a generational only, and thing. And only for the last three or four years have I been investing in myself. I mean, if a friend comes to you and says, I need help, of course you've got to invest time into yeah, him or her. Totally. So why don't we do it to ourselves? Do you yeah. think with your clients that you take up the mountains, do you think it helps to be vulnerable with them as well? Or Ooh, that's a, that's, a, that's a deep question. Do you huh? think it, do you think it's... Cause I, because I there's an expectation the, for the, the guy to be bulletproof. To, yeah, exactly. That, that's what yeah. you would assume. That's but why I was saying that it must be hard for you because... I don't want to, you know, you want, you, you, you're, for, for your clients, you're not human. You are human, but you're not. They don't regard you as human. It's like uh, police officers or but I wonder whether it would be like, they're not I, human. I wonder you're, whether it would bond you more to a client if you would, were I'm honest. Sure. But, but, but I'm sure it would. The thing we have to yeah. remember, I mean, I spent two or three years working with a client before I go to Everest. So, yeah. so, so we've had a, a journey before we even get there. And through that journey, you know, we have bonded. I you like get a think, connection. Yeah, I like to think that my clients are friends. Yeah, uh, and you know, great, great example. I'm meeting a client uh, after this because we're talking about the next project. And when he came to Everest with me, you know, his daughter, he's got a daughter and a son. They had my number. Now, if they wanted to call me about yeah. a fear or concern that they had, they, you know, they don't need to speak to dad to come to me. They can come straight to me. So yeah. that period of investment, I think, to a certain extent, vulnerability is shown. Because you, know, you, you can't hide it forever from somebody. And we get yourself in these predicaments and you, know, you come out the other end and you're like, well, that worked or that didn't work. And you sit down and you process it. But I think on Everest, there is that expectation that I am that bulletproof. Yeah. Uh, because the client is going to be leaning on me to a certain extent. Yeah. When things are out of his or her comfort zone, they need that confidence boost from yeah. me. You know, this is going to be okay because. Mm. Uh, or I seem to be the pillar. You know, that, that emotional crutch that they need. Yeah, when I come home, there is the danger that that just crumbles and, and just... Yeah, totally. And I'm, I'm, I'm super lucky to have jazz as my, as my emotion, you know, perhaps a bit unfair, as their emotional crutch. And every now and then, it, it, does, it does manifest itself and it, it's just like, uh, yeah, the emotion just pours out. Yeah, it and does, like, and it would Christ. do. And, that, and that, that w it becomes like a waterfall, right? And it does come up when you have to hold so much yeah. in. And, and it's got to be, you know, it's self-investment. Uh, it must be pretty emotional with the client when you go up and come back and you've done it safely and everything went well. Oh, it's it great, yeah, but, but there's an emotion of elation. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, I posted something on social media on, on, on the gram the other day and, uh, of, of just the, the emotional release when we got back down, uh, essentially off the fixed lines into the Western Coombe. So we're essentially safe on Everest. Yeah. And a number of people were saying, wow, you, you could just feel 
yeah. the yeah. emotion coming through this post. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's relief, the you know, wave of relief. But that dark skeleton, which is in the cupboard behind me, or you know, in my cupboard at home, I haven't addressed that. And that, that yeah, is yeah. real vulnerability. And that's real strength to, to go to those places, to address those. Yeah, but it's vulnerability to even speak about it, right? And that's a, that's a, that's a great thing, because I think... Well, it's a, it's a, it's a great starting point. And it's, yeah. it's something which I think, you know, it's cliche, but I think guys, you know, certainly of a certain generation, we're not great at showing that. I was in India yeah. once with... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, I forget what he, uh, Jeff, Jeff McDonald, who speaks a lot about um, uh, men, men, mental health, uh, certainly in guys. He's this big South African alpha male, rugby playing, beer, beer drinking. And one day... He just got crushed. He just he said he couldn't get out of bed. And he said, look at me. Now, I'm not somebody that suffers from mental illness. Or am I? And he, you know, he now champions uh, dialogue. You know, as simple as dialogue. Yeah, that's great. You know, to be able to sit down with somebody and say, you know, Jamie or Dan or, you know, or whoever, you know, Amy, this is, I'm going through this. Yeah. I, I, I need, I just need somebody to be non-judgmental. You know, I don't need advice. Not, well, not necessarily, um, but I just need someone to talk to. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. Do you think there's like a uh, your motivation for getting into doing the mountaineering in the first place? Do you think that comes from, like, for example, I, I'm a comedian, do, do stand-up, and a lot of comedians, there's a uh, reason... I, I thought he was a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, you wouldn't yeah, have thought, he, right? Exactly, yeah. You wouldn't yeah. have bloody he, thought. He, but there's, there's a reason <laughs> why, like, a lot of comedians start doing stand-up. There's some sort of, like, inner... You know, wanting to be loved, right? There's yeah, like, there's like a there's a reason why they want they feel the need to do that. Do you think it's a similar thing with mountaineering? There's like an inner reason why they feel they have to do that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, mean, I think everybody has has their own reasons for for doing something. I, I don't think mine was like, emotionally driven to get into mountains. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I'm definitely uh, emotionally stunted, perhaps uh, yeah. in in terms of being able to uh, vocalize how I'm feeling. Uh, not necessarily what I'm what I'm thinking, but but how I'm feeling. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I was very shy growing up. Um, had you know issues like engaging with with other people sometimes, uh, which is you know odd now because it's stand, odd now, right? Because yeah, I can stand the on opposite, stage yeah. and quite happily you know talk to you know, a boardroom of people, or I can speak to a thousand people. But I'm speaking about my specialist subject, yeah. you know, me and Everest and 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 and, and whatnot. And yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, I got I got a couple of friends who are. Who are comedians and am I one? Uh, that, of, am that, I one of them now? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Well, well, how quickly does one become a friend? <laughs> I think really quick after a podcast. This is, other podcasts, that's a great medium because you sit with someone you wouldn't never have this intimate conversation with. Right? That's why I love podcasting so much because at the end we'll always remember this conversation. Yeah, yeah. and that's a great thing with running as well. Yeah, you know, because you go running and I, I, you know, I don't run. I, I put this out on again social media. Am I a runner or a jogger? People, oh, what's the difference? You know, and I, I plod around the fields at a pace that I can hold a conversation. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but no, you're absolutely right. You know, podcasts, I, I think, generate meaningful conversation between people that perhaps wouldn't necessarily, uh, you know, the, the stars don't always align and, and come come together. I mean, I think the closer we come, I think I passed you on the road once when you were mm -hmm. uh, in lockdown. We were pretty much about yeah. Two you miles guys apart. have been like circling each other for years. Don't worry, yeah. I've been, I've like, been like, sussing like, them like, out. Like, like two sort of yeah. predators. You know, yeah. big, big sort of predators. I, so like, uh, I definitely, I just notice you all the time. Get, yeah. <laughs> I'm just too nervous to go up. I want to ask, the other thing I just want to ask as well, because I know we're coming, you know, we're taking up lots of your time. The, you, with Randall Fines, Sir Randall Fines, um, you guys have done lots of things together. You had a climb 
where he turned back 300 meters before the summit. On Everest, yeah. On Everest. Yeah, yeah. What was the decision there? Uh, well, he said that it was, so he made that decision. Uh, and he said that it was, uh, it, he was going to be too tired to safely come back down. 300 uh, meters is not. It, no, it, it, it's not that far, but on Everest, it was a bit more than 300 meters. It was, it, probably closer to like four or 500 meters. But, but on Everest, you know, that's going to be like six, seven hours worth of climbing because uh, wow. it's 400 vertical meters. Uh, oh, wow. And as a mountain guide, that's quite hard to, to actually say, well, man, uh, yeah, I think you should continue or, or whatever, whatever it may be. Deep down, I mean, I've got a slightly different feel about why he may have turned around. Um, Just think he needed a poo. He needed a poo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was worried about getting like sort of three inches of his dick out of uh, like eight inches of clothing. Come around, like, like, shit, later. And of course, it's, he's, got, he's got no fingers on one hand, so he's yeah. going to do the zipper. Yes. Like, he was like, this is going to be awkward. No, that's gonna be, I'm going to have gonna Kenton to get my dick out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be weird. Oh my God, I've got a cameraman. This is like gold dust content. Yeah. Uh, it's it's Ken, Ken, it, Kenton on his hands and knees trying to get a zipper out. And, or, or, yeah, whatever. What, um, do you, what do you think it was? Why, what? Well, I do wonder a little bit and Ran and, Ran and I you know, we, we are friends we, we haven't really talked about this it's back in 2008 I think it was a long long time ago and shit a lot went down in 2008 I, I wonder yeah. if for the first time in arguably his career and, I, and I'm putting words in his mouth sure this never is a personal this. yeah thing. I, I wonder whether there was a realisation that there was no rescue because everything he's done generally you know all the stuff in the polls and and you know, the stuff in the deserts and things like that, there's always been some form of rescue. On wow. Everest, there isn't. Now, Everest is about the only place on the planet that there is no third-party rescue. And I wonder, because he went that day, he turned around and went all the way back down to base camp. All the way to base camp. Nobody does that. Now, Ran, Ran's been an endurance fiend throughout his entire career. And when he came back to Everest the next year, he crushed it. I could hardly keep up with him. Mm. So I, I wonder, you know, maybe... I just think it was a mindset thing. And we know that Rand, you know, he wrote the book Mind Over Matter. Yeah. I know that he's emotionally strong, but yeah. you know, he was out of his comfort zone. His comfort, you know, is the Arctic, the Antarctic and the deserts and things like that. You know, he's not a born climber. He suffers from vertigo. He was out of his yeah, comfort zone. Yeah, he was scared zone. of heights. Yeah, he's out of his comfort zone. He did done some amazing stuff to, to try to get over that. You know, we climbed the North Face of the Eiger together, which scared him stupid. And you know, he kept it all together on that. But on Everest, that day on Everest, and I wasn't quite with him. I was just behind him. I've been sorting out some, uh, some little hiccup at the South Coast. So I was catching up. So I wasn't in that position yeah. to bolster the confidence. And I think he had made that decision without me, yeah. without the discussion. And once you make a decision, it's quite it's hard gone. to go back on it. You're gone. Yeah. And I do wonder if I'd been with him, would, you know, would we have summited in 2008? No, we, we, yeah, he came back in 2009 and yeah, honestly, he smoked it at the time. But it's, but it's amazing because when you said that, when you said you get to that point, um, they were, uh, honestly, a bit of like butterflies came in my stomach thinking that it was almost a bit of panic. There is no help. No. So once you're there, you're stuck, that you're by yeah. yourself. That gave me a little bit of panic and you were just explaining it. Yeah, I mean, so I can't where, imagine where, if you're there. Where, where else does that happen? And it's dark at the time. It's minus 30 and there might be some wind or whatever. You know, it's... You know, Anybody that has never been there is going to be out of their comfort zone. That's mm. it. And Kenan, listen, we don't want to take up any more of your time. Um, we, uh, you, you're on social media. We can social follow you on social there's media. There's only one Kenton call out there, and that is my real name before you ask. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even talked name. about the name. It's amazing. Well, that's going to be part two and part three. <laughs> I know. And, and listen, we, we can hear your talks if we want to. You, you do lots of different talks and things like that, and we can, you know, people can find you in yeah, certain do, places. Do, I mean, just Google Kenton Cool. Yeah. yeah is it Kenton, Kentoncool.com? 
Kenton Cool. Kenton Cool sounds like a really wicked it's porn great. name. What <laughs> <laughs> was a porn name meant to be? It's meant to be like your mother's. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the pets. So, so pets. Your, your, your first pets, pet. Your first pet and your mother's maiden yeah. name. So I'd be Marcus Rutt. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Beat That's that one. Marcus, Marcus Rutt. Marcus Rutt, Kenton Cool, and uh, is it mother's maiden name and then the pet? Or is it pet, then mother's maiden no, name? So mine's pet, then mother's maiden Mine name. would be Chevy Hill. That's not bad. <laughs> That's Chevy great. Hill. Mine's worse. Mine would be Bertie Clark. <laughs> That's a great one. Bertie Clark. <laughs> Bertie Clark. Bertie Clark is weak, drawing it all. That's <laughs> weak. I think I win that. Marcus yeah. Rutt. Marcus so, Rutt. That's a real porn star. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Kenton, uh, before we let you go, one more story you have to give us is this poo story. Then we can let you go. What happened in the poo story? The poo story is quite long, but let's let's do the abridged No, you can do as long as you want. Okay, so I was in hospital, in Bangor Hospital. You you know Bangor, you've been there. You got paid to go there. I did. I I, I didn't get paid to go there. (laughs) And I, I I essentially got two broken legs. Okay, so my legs are in on these like metal contraptions and I'm 22 years old. I'm very self-conscious and I've been morphined up to the eyebrows and morphine constipates you. And uh, after like three or four days, yeah, I need to go, I need to go to the loo. Yeah. And I don't quite know what to do. So I press the button and uh, the, the, the nurse, and the nurse is a brilliant, by the way, the nurse comes and I, I explain the situation and she goes, well, here's, here's a bedpan. So she gives me a big pan and I've never used a bedpan. And a bed, who, the bedpan is made out of cardboard. <laughs> it's like, the, it's hardened cardboard. And I'm like, really? okay, so fine. <laughs> And she said, do you need help? And I'm super shy. I'm like, uh, no, 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 I've got it covered. I've got it covered. She's like, fine. So she draws the curtain and then she, she, she goes back to work. Something Bertie Clark would say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm looking at this bedpan thinking, well, how do I get the bedpan underneath me? Because I'm, I'm in a position that I'm, I'm like lying virtually on my back and yeah. I've got to slip the bedpan under, under, underneath my, uh, my butt cheeks yeah. to, 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 to go to the loop. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's this arm above the bed. And so I grab the arm. Uh, or the, you know, with, with, with my two arms, I pull myself up and then let go and then push the bedpan underneath myself. <laughs> and I, I think, okay, well, okay, I'm now in position, but I need to hold on to the, the post, otherwise I'm going to crush the Your cardboard. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm going to crush the cardboard bedpan. Yeah, yeah. So I'm there and I'm like, oh God. All right, okay, well, I, I'm God. settled. I, 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 I can do this. And what happens generally, if you're a guy and you go for a number two, oh, you generally no. do a number one first, oh, don't you? No. So Impossible do, not to do yeah. so, one so, or the other. So, it? I, so I do a little pee-pee, and it turns into quite a big pee-pee, <laughs> and, I, and I fill the bedpan with pee. Oh, no. And I'm hanging there with my, my legs up high, and I'm hanging there, and I know that the, the bedpan is full because I can sort of feel it on my butt cheeks. Oh, my God. And I'm hanging on to the post. And I think, Christ, I, I need, I need to get the, I need to get the, I need to get the nurse back. <laughs> Where's reach, Bertie Clark? I can't reach the button because I'm hanging on. And if I'm going to let go, I'm going to crush the bedpan. And then what happens? <laughs> the pee goes everywhere, and I still haven't pooed. <laughs> and I'm there, I'm thinking, oh my god. And I don't because I'm so shy. Yeah. I don't want to just scream out because I'm on a ward full of you know, other people. This yeah, is like, yeah, you know, yeah, this is yeah. not what a good Englishman does. Yeah. You don't just scream for help because you need to help with them. So I'm looking at the, and I can't, I can't reach the button. And I'm there, and I'm hanging there, and I'm a climber, so I can hang for quite a lot. And it felt like hours. It's probably like, I don't know, 10 minutes. And my arms are quivering because I'm hanging on there, and I'm not going to let go. And finally, somebody, like, his face appears through the curtain. And it's, it's, it's a lunch lady. And she's like, would you like lunch, dear? I'm like, get the nurse! Get the nurse! Please get the nurse! And she goes, um, well, we got, we, you know, we, got, we got pasta or we got potato. I'm like, screw that. Just get the nurse. And, and, and the nurse finally writes, I'm like, I'm shaking. I'm covering in sweat. And, and she goes, oh, what, what's the matter? I'm like, please just grab the bedpan. I need help. I need help. And she grabs the bedpan. 
And then she departs, and I still haven't pooed. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you didn't get another bedpan back? So what, you just went back down and went, okay, this no, is... No, no, I just, I just like lie there. Like, you, know, you know what? I, I'm, I'm just going to... I'm, I'm just going to shit the bed. <laughs> you've, still, you've still never been to the loo since then. Uh, I've never been to the loo yeah. since. Since Banger. You've yeah. never been to the loo. Oh, God. It was, oh, it was that horrendous. Is Kenton, thank you so much for being such a great guest. Thanks, Honestly, no, just a thank you for having fabulous me. guest. Thank you so much. Uh, listen, have everybody... We got, have we got a date running around the fields? I can't wait. I'm going to take you up on that. I'm going to run around and knock on your door because I know where you live. So I'm actually going to do it. I swear to God. Please do. I Should can't we wait. split a three hundred grand? Um, <laughs> yeah. split it. You can't go and go with him. I'm going to do it. Oh, just yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's bespoke. It's one to one. Yeah, right? is it one get one out one. of here. No, you're not invited. I'm not invited. Yeah, you're not the funny one. You're not you, the funny yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.